Around the palace at Saint Germain is a covered way known as the gallery. It is here that Louis XIV, on leaving the Council of State, is accustomed to receive applicants for favors and those for whom he has communication. It is here that the Duke of Almada comes to keep his appointment with the monarch. It is a fine, warm morning after the storm, but the Duke's brain is in a turmoil, and though he smiles with gentle dignity and nods the greeting to all acquaintances, yet his anxious mind is saying over and over again, where can that Breton lad be hiding, and how in heaven's name shall I proceed without him? He is much too shrewd a man to let his anxiety be seen, but when he spies Monsieur Nicolas de la Reine, Lieutenant General of the Royal Police, he hurries quickly towards him. Monsieur de la Reine, it is many months since I have had the pleasure of speaking with you, and now I find you dumb as a caged lion. Does the course of justice weigh so heavy on yourself? There are many difficulties, I admit. One cannot keep one's finger on every one and everything in such a city as Paris all at the same time. Yet, Monsieur, I warrant... You are the man who knows all that goes on in this capital. I do my best, my lord. There is not much escapes my eye. Then you are the very man I want. For I have tried in vain these last two days to find a young fellow who interests me much and who has been missing some time now. Perhaps you can enlighten me of his fate. My lord duke, I am devotedly yours. Rest assured, I shall help if I can. This youth has lately arrived from his province of Brittany. From Belle-Ile, if I am rightly informed. Honest of faith, costume of his country. Uh, what build is he, my lord? The figure and bearing of a young athlete, and he wears by his side a tremendous sword. The longest sword but one I ever saw in my life. Strange, my lord, very strange. Your story puts me in mind of an acquaintance. I declare it would be odd indeed if you were seeking the very man on whom I come now to confer with his majesty. He had arms that would throw down a wall. It sounds like my man. And he answers to the name of Joel. Joel? It is so, then. Do you know where I can find him? In the Bastille, my lord. What? Where he has caused as much trouble, I can tell you. The Bastille? Upon my sword, monsieur, I can hardly believe my ears. But what was the poor lad lodged in such a place? A very serious offense, my lord. Violation of the edict. A duel ending in a man's death. This poor lad, as you call him, ran a musketeer officer through the body and in the woods of Saint-Germain. Heaven forbid he could not have done much worse. He was duly arrested and the constabulary opened an inquiry into the matter, but as he could not supply proof that he was nobly born, these judges of points of honor would not try him. And uh, we are all in a muddle. So you have come to the king about him. What else is I to do, my lord? The chief recorder maintains that as he is not of noble blood, or at least he has no proof of it, he must be hanged, not executed. But we are still at sea about it, for in what court is he to be tried? Truly, I've never had such a case. And uh, you take it, I like the lad. He has such unfairies. 
seems a shame to hang him. You never spoke a truer word, my friend. It would be a tragedy. Ah, here comes the king now. His majesty will be able to help me, I'm sure. Though whether his decision will please you and Monsieur Joel is quite another matter. He is particularly harsh with you and his... Your majesty. Presente, presente, la I wish to speak first with my lord, the duke. Said, as you will, sire. Come, my lord, I wish to talk with you. I'm obliged to you for keeping his appointment there. The wishes of a sovereign are law to me, sire. It was only through grave indisposition yesterday that I failed to come. And that's one grows not younger, sire, and years begin to uh, Yes, yes, my lord. I regretted your absence yesterday. You are recovered this morning? Uh, yes, sire. And if you had not deigned to renew your invitation for this morning, I should have sought a meeting nonetheless. Since I have accepted the office of conveying homage to your majesty. Homage, my lord? I mean to bear to your majesty the expression of feeling which overflows towards you from the most sincere and grateful of hearts. You had seen Mademoiselle de Trombley, then? I have but lately come from her. And from your smile, I gather she is not displeased with her new position in court. Ah, sir. It is more than gratitude which she expresses towards your majesty. At first, if he was stunned and abashed, Think how little she expected the honor. Her tongue was then tied by the presence of the king and the queen, and by the whole furious court. She seemed a shy creature. Yeah, but today, sir, with what eloquence has she spoken to me of her royal benefactor? And when I asked her what had most struck her in the brilliant assembly at court, you should have heard with what freedom and simplicity she replied. Indeed, my lord, I should have liked to have heard it. But what did she say? Do not question, she said, for I do not know how to answer. I saw none but the king, and then dazzled like the rash creature who looks up at the sun. Once, long ago, my lord, I heard another speak that so. It was my dear Louise de Vallier. Twenty years ago, I thought I knew. Alas, how the years so passed it. It's like sand in my fingers. I thought I'd never know again such a one as my first love. This girl is purity herself. Her soul knows no more of falsehood than her lips. And she is as strange to coquetry as to kisses. My lord, it was as Mademoiselle de Chambly that I wished to speak when I made this appointment for you. She belongs to a family of faithful servants whom we have wrongfully neglected for some time. Her father was governor of the Bastion, but died without property, leaving his family in poor circumstances. An oversight on our part, which we now greatly regret. In this girl, we shall repair the involuntary harm caused her parents by our ungrateful regret. Mademoiselle de Chambly should be a lady of our new palace. But, sire, the rule is that the husband should be the wearer of the honors that carry this title. We will provide a husband, my lord, worthy of our royal war. And we charge you, my lord Duke, to find among our nobility some gentleman who merits obtaining such a treasure, and in the wedding present shall be a title for the chosen one to some post in our household. There is no need for that, sir, for I have at hand a young friend who will be only too happy to unite his fate with that of Mandel. He is a Breton gentleman without ambition or attachment. His name? The Chevalier de Locmaria, if your majesty will allow him that time. He shall be the Chevalier de Locmaria. Your majesty is kindness itself, and I have no doubt that his graciousness in this matter will be highly rewarded. And now, sir, your priest lieutenant is waiting for the proper moment to have an audience. I should feel ashamed to retain the king any longer. Oh, yes, of course. I was so interested in the subject of our discourse, my lord. I had forgotten, Larry, 
She's still waiting. Thanks, fellow. But persistence is a fine quality in the police force. What was it now? Ah, yes, he was to see me about a rogue with whom there had been some difficulty. Uh, a duelist, I understand. Mm-hmm. Oh, rogue. I cannot understand why he's not already been tried and put to death. Just as sometimes he's a winding course. Uh, yes. Sir, it has long been said that uh, clemency is the brightest jewel of monarchs. But my soul, Duke, are you going to intercede for this bullet? I venture to do so, sir. Do my ears deceive me? Are you asking a pardon for this lawbreaker? I crave more than that. His immediate liberty. But he is a murderer. Hence, I apply to the royal generosity. Think what you are doing, my lord. Do you realize what you ask? Put this fellow at liberty who has trampled on our signature, killed one of our military servants, is not even the excuse that he is of noble blood. Ah, sir, it is allowable for a Breton fresh from his native place not to know all the English. So the rascal is a Breton. As for his nobility, that is rather obscure, but he can be ennobled at any time by your majesty. And for the dead musketeer, there is no lack of them. Your majesty has ten thousand. Besides, judging by the statement which Monsieur de la showed me, Monsieur de Brigue was not the best sample of French chivalry. He is still a murderer. De Brigue's murderer. Say rather, his adversary. According to the second, the fight was a fair one, uh, conducted according to the rules. This adversary seems very dear to you, my lord. Not at all, sire. I I hardly know him, Uh, but he is useful to me, and that is saying much. Useful? In what way? If it pleases your majesty, I should make this rogue the knight of Loch Maria and the husband of Mademoiselle du Tremblay. I can only assume you could you are out of your mind. Surely this vessel now reposing within the Bastille is not the one of whom you spoke as a suitable husband for my royal ward. The same, sire. Then you must be mad. Sometimes, sire, that is genius in madness. And with your permission, I would explain to you the plans which I have formed for the young Breton. The plans which I venture to say will suit both you and me, as well as Manzel. For the Breton himself, I cannot speak. But I warrant he will like my schemes better than those Monsieur de la Reine is now forming for him. Continue, my lord, pray. I am attending. But first of all, I beg of you, sire... Put the good Lavelli out of his misery. Uh, tell him that the fate of the Breton is now settled. Advise him that he will not be hanged, executed, or left to rot within the Bastille. But that nonetheless, according to my plans, he will be disposed of to everybody's satisfaction. Believe me, sire, this is the last time the rogue will worry anyone. Adapted for radio by Margaret Dunn from the novel by Alexandre Dumas, a George Edwards production.